So you guys have been listening to the show for a long time, right? Since I could drive. Yeah. So when I turned 16, I got a car and turned on the radio and never turned it off. And how old are you now? Ugh, 36. Oh, so it's been 20 years. <laughs> yes. that's, that's crazy. Yeah. How about you, Chad? Um, pretty much since day one, uh, working construction, you know, we would typically have 104.5 on. Mm-hmm. And even before that, I do recall Rob's young whiny voice at KRLT, just, <laughs> just as a change up for a different radio station. So, yeah, so you're an OG. Yeah. Exactly. Um, So we're here today with our great friends Carissa and Chad. You guys uh, have actually we've been growing as friends over the last many years, Mm -hmm. uh, but initially the contact was made through Cheddar. Chad is also known as Cheddar, so you'll hear us refer to him as that uh, throughout the podcast. But um, when you initially reached out to the show, I'm sure you've probably emailed the show on other occasions, but you sent us something called C-Crop. Yeah. Describe what C-Crop is. C-Crop is a uh, ultra trace and trace element um, additive that's used to build soil. Basically, it's uh, the periodic table in a bottle. Um, I found this product when Carissa and I were developing some indoor lighting gear with her dad, who is a light source engineer of 38 plus years. So with those lights being developed, we were growing lettuce and some other big leaf items um, hydroponically. So I was looking for something that I could add to kind of build the solution, the nutrient solution, because we weren't using dirt. And so I looked this product up. Uh, We got a bottle of it, started using it, saw that it was working very well. And then I went to my local hydroponics store and started looking around at several other stores and couldn't find it. So I called up the owner. His name's Arthur Ziegler. He's up out of Washington and said, why is this not in stores? And he said, well, it was mainly developed for ag use and it was big in outdoor crops in the Midwest to rebuild soil. And so I asked him if we could um, start to distribute this product and away we went. So that's how I found this product, and that's what I um, gave to you guys mm-hmm. in a, I believe it was a Christmas package, yep. along with some other canned goods and some local craft liquor. <laughs> yes, um, that's right. <laughs> I actually made fun of him for sending that package in, too. I was like, I can't believe you're, send- <laughs> like, you're sending all that, and then the canned goods, of course. I was like, whoa. We just but, wanted to reach out and, and send a gift, yeah. and that's how it started. And yeah, it's ever since we've just stayed in contact, and over the years we've gotten to know you guys. And so, what you're saying is he bought our friendship. <laughs> I'm kidding. I say he bought our friendship. He got our attention, and you know, he extended the leaf, the olive branch, yes. if you will. Yes. Um, and you know, unfortunately, we we never really got to use any of that seed crop. But uh, just based on... The we res- don't garden. We suck. Yeah. <laughs> I smell succulents, you guys. We both had brown thumbs. I just chop things down or pull things it's out the of the ground. It's the only thing he knows how to do. Yeah. Despite me being part Mexican. He can mow a lawn really well, though. That's true. Yeah. Um, well, it is a great product for farmers because it can increase your yields. It can increase the nutrients in, say, tomatoes, vegetables, anything that you're growing. It can make it um, healthier. And also, you can dose yourself with it. Oh, really? Yeah. So it's a good vitamin, even just to add to like 
um, a morning juice or See, your shake. So yeah. yeah, it tastes terrible. I, think I literally picked up a bottle and I wish they made something like this for me. <laughs> they do oh. actually. It can, it's a, it's um, actually cured like chronic diseases and stuff See, like that. I think before. I need to t- start taking a shot every day. <laughs> they just can't advertise that. Right. So it's that's not just FDA kind of a low, yeah, a secret. Like, at your own risk. <laughs> uh-huh, exactly. At your own risk. It's almost like the rad pickle juice like cures hiccups and exactly. acid right. reflux. It's not like what we're advertising. No, but it's yeah. not it's toxic. All these added benefits exactly. It's proven to be edible, but that's not what it was designed for. So that's not what it's labeled yeah. for. That's not what it's FDA approved exactly. for. Exactly. So. And supplements are extremely hard to get approved. Yeah. So. Yeah. And you were that's saying that the sea crop is also good for putting in the dog's water. Oh yeah. Animal we water. give it to our dogs as well. Yeah. It can help okay. prevent cancer and all different kinds of diseases. Oh. So yeah. It, it is um, used as a supplement for livestock. Um, mm-hmm. Which again okay. kind of goes down the same path yeah. as it does for plants and people to uh, just give give the, the animals a chance to be healthier naturally. You know, supplementing their their diet with these trace and ultra trace elements. Mm-hmm. And if they're used for farming, that makes it healthier for us in the long run. So everybody literally exactly. benefits from it. The plants, yeah. the people, yeah. the ground, everything. Yeah, yeah. just and makes the earth. It's just earth friendly. Exactly. (laughs) And that's really why we got into this industry in the first place was we found that there were a lot of products missing for farmers, whether it was better lighting equipment, better nutrients, healthier options for farmers to grow these kind of crops. When we first started, I don't know, a long time ago for him, 20 years ago for him, maybe 18 for me, uh, there, there weren't that many options yeah. for us to grow a healthy, you know, organic or close ex- to organic product. Even more expensive. Exactly. Yeah. So I think it's important at this point to uh, mention that the industry you guys are referring to is cultivation of marijuana, right? Yes. Is it, that what you... The horticulture industry in general. Right, yeah. right. Okay. We started out with food. We've already always been small cannabis farmers. Yeah. And then when we realized... You know, we're growing a five-pound head of lettuce in two weeks. We really got into the food. (laughs) Yeah, so we really got into growing our own food. And that just kind of took off into us helping other farmers. Like, you know, we started consulting initially with other big, large cultivations with our lighting gear and things like that. And then uh, things took a turn when our daughter came early. And then that kind of changed our trajectory. Mm -hmm. So she was born at 25 weeks, one pound, 10 ounces. And when that happened, I took a step back from our lighting business and dove into taking care of her. After that, we closed the lighting business and realized cultivation was our main objective. We wanted to, we were helping so many people. We wanted to be able to do it on a larger scale. Especially with the legalization, not only in California, but of course Nevada, which, you know, I don't know how much you guys want to share, where you're, where you're... We can share everything. We're okay. an open book. Okay. Yay! <laughs> yes, so um, ask away. Awesome. Um, I, and a lot of what we're going to talk about today is I'd like to, you know, touch on marijuana and the cultivation, the business side of things, yeah. the reason why you guys are getting into it. Um, obviously, um, based on what we've talked about already, is you guys work as more of a collective. You don't necessarily, I mean, you have your own trade, tips of, tips of the trade, tricks exactly. Tricks of the trade, and you have your own you know, intellectual property, and we won't give too much of those details out, obviously, but um, you have been doing it for so long. Mm-hmm. What What is your secret, and why do you 
other than you know helping people what, what what is it that you get out of it for me it's the idea of helping more people so when the commercial aspect came into play here it was kind of a a dream you know um for me personally my i'll just give a little background on my own history of why i got into to cannabis use for me growing up in the foothills um of placerville you know as a kid i used to have to get weekly injections for allergies and asthma and at the time you know you don't really know any better or any different because it's your parents that are taking you to the doctor and they're saying oh this will fix that and away you go but I remember every day coming home from school and being so drained from that medication that I would pass out until dinner time and, you know, all the other kids are out playing. So for me, it was like that time I was coming into being a teenager and the first book I read that really opened my eyes, I uh, hope I get this right, I believe it was The Emperor Wears No Clothes and then there's been a second edition, The Emperor's New Clothes. But it was a, a fact-based kind of introduction to the history of cannabis uh, you know of course loaded with footnotes if you wanted to go look it up yourself which I thought was interesting it wasn't a very long book but it was very detailed and it really opened my eyes as to you know why this thing was considered illegal and the whole history of it um, so in a roundabout way I got into using it and sure enough my asthma deteriorated and went away and I no longer had to take those shots um, you know being big into snowboarding since day one you know there was a lot of backcountry hiking so I find myself being able to hike you know nine ten thousand foot peaks all day long with no issues and so that for me was kind of my own personal you know medical use which and kind of breaks the stigma of smoking and being a lazy couch potato exactly. yeah it's yeah. the same kind of for me where i'm tired all the time yeah. like i have a chronic fatigue issue i have joint issues i have a rheumatoid uh, basically based condition and the only times i felt good and able to do things and did do things was when i smoked yeah. like, it was the same for me it was like okay i can do this now like yeah. i could do math when yeah. i smoke otherwise i was just too tired to focus on anything else so it's yeah. like it kind of saved me in a sense yeah so from that you know it was you know basically uh, an idea and a dream like I said to you know be able to help more people than just ourselves or you know close friends and family and whatnot so it's always been a dream to do this commercially um, <laughs> you know how Carissa and I got the opportunity was again through helping people and I won't go into too much detail there, but um, basically our partner extended the offer, um, you know, financially to help us because, you know, his, his wife was, was helped out and, and it was a big deal for them. She basically got off seven different type of opiates. Fentanyl, subliminal wow. morphine drops, Oxycontin. All the um, bad stuff. Everything daily. She right. was on all of that each day so we slowly worked with her and she worked with our doctor knowing she was using cannabis as an alternative to get off those medications and we were slowly able to wean her off of it and she's not taking a single pain uh, reliever of any kind other than cannabis and she has severe scoliosis wow. so oh my gosh. yeah she suffers daily and luckily her doctors are open-minded and so 
we were able to help her, in their words, save her life. Yeah. So that's, that's why we were I mean, blessed with this opportunity. She'd be facing renal failure and ulcer and liver diseases. They say she. They say she wouldn't be here today if it yeah. wasn't for us. So I mean, Your hearing that just. That. That's my drive. Yeah. yeah. So that's just incredible. seeing people in pain, even somebody who doesn't know what we do, if they tell me they have something wrong with them, the first thing I think of is what can I make them? What can I right. come up with? Right. I know I can help. Like, I, I know I can try to help everybody. So if they say something, I try to whip it up. Yeah. Speaking of that, we actually had somebody uh, come out to one of our Brianapaloozas, and I, I don't know how the conversation came up, but. Uh, a woman's husband had chronic pain um, and had asked about CBD products. And you guys make this amazing CBD pain cream yeah. that we use constantly. Um, and they had reached out, and I, I had said something about you guys making this product. And you're, at this point, you guys aren't actually distributing anything. So when we talk about these products that you guys make, they're not necessarily available to the public yet. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. And anything you know that we have been making has been uh, also like uh, essential oil, plant based, um, in in conjunction with the CBD, and it's just been given away. You know. Yeah. So when uh, Carissa, I think we had connected that listener with Carissa. Do you remember? She stepped out of the room for the dogs. I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. okay. Fine. You were... got dogs? These are good puppers. <laughs> yeah. They're good dogs. One was eating and one was jumping. It, just, it was just not working. She just out. wanted you so badly. She's like, I want, I want to do So this. We, were, we were just discussing um, a listener from Brian Palooza um, that wanted the pain cream. And mm-hmm. we couldn't remember if they had connected with you or not. Did they? I have been helping a lady named Connie. Yes, so if you met her right. at Brian Palooza, yes. yes. So Thank her you. husband suffers from severe arthritis, and they've been using the pain cream, and they have relief. He has relief, so That's he's on fantastic. his third jar. Yeah. So it's it's going great for him. So uh, so we were we were also saying that this stuff isn't. We're, we're talking about all this amazing results that you guys are getting from your product mm-hmm. specifically, um, and all the different types of products, and we'll, we could talk about all those other things too. Of course, but they're not—they're not available publicly yet. They're not, not we, yet. Yeah, so this isn't. Unfortunately, we're not going to be able to take emails and be like, "Hey, hook me up with your weed guy." <laughs> Pretty soon, yeah. you guys can do that. Soon However, enough, and we will make that. Yeah, you know, we'll make that. No, we'll find a way to do the, that properly. Exactly. Yes. We're opening. Don't harass us yet. The facility <laughs> is opening within the next. 30 to 60 days at the most. I'm so excited. So we will be able to su- supply the public on a large scale. That's so we're, we're so thinking. Cool. As long complex. as you're 21 years and older. There you go. Here's so we're that. thinking like spring, summer, 2020. Yeah. yeah like early scale. summer by the time we ramp up enough to where we're harvesting and, and mm-hmm. producing right um, products uh, for the public. Yeah. Cool. Um, so obviously weed <clears throat> is fun to smoke for the you know recreational <clears throat> user. But a lot of this is about helping people. Yes. What other products? So that you're making these CBD pain creams. Uh, your flower is also, you know, mm-hmm. amazing. If you just want to smoke it, mm-hmm. um, what else are you guys making? We make a caramel that helps people with pain and also with sleep issues that you can add to hot tea at night and sleep through the whole night. We make capsules. For real quick, before we get to the capsules, that that caramel we've been lucky enough to have, mm-hmm. and we use it. <laughs> 
probably more than anything else. I think it's our go-to for everything. It's our number yeah. one that, product yeah. to help people. That is Absolutely. some of the best stuff. And we ended up just making like little balls. And yeah, I loved those. Did you like them? I was wondering. I forgot to tell you. I forgot. Yes, yeah. they were really great. So I did, I did a little, and it was just the exact dosage, which was the, yes. it's a quarter teaspoon. Mm-hmm. That's all you need. I, I, always, I always talk to the mics like they're people, but it's a quarter teaspoon, people. <laughs> you would not believe what this stuff that You're going to look at it and go, that's not going to do it. And, and some people, actually, the dosage is much less. Yeah, so some depending people on cut your tolerance. That in half. Exactly. And I, whenever I give it, I'll gift the little caramel. I do little caramel bites. I'll roll them into yeah. little balls. Um, for Carissa, I made a special one where I dipped them in dark chocolate and sprinkled oh, them with sea salt. Very good. They're very good that way. It's mm-hmm. just, mm. but uh, I'll wrap them in just wax paper and put them in the fridge, put them in a jar, and you can just pop them. And I found some people can get two doses out of just one of those. I agree. So Yes, everybody's tolerance to cannabis is differently. Some people can't ingest it at all. I'm related to some of those people. My dad, he cannot take cannabis internally at all. So there's a lot of people that are affected differently. So Mm -hmm. we make edibles like the caramel. We make capsules for all kinds of things. So we can boost your immune system if that's what you're looking for, along with a a happy dose of CBD and THC Mm -hmm. if, you know, depending on your ailment. So if you need help with inflammation, headaches, cramps, back pain, you have scoliosis, you're fighting cancer, things like that. So immune system um, capsules would be very helpful for somebody, say, with cancer. Mm -hmm. Because... Right. Mm -hmm. Or like maybe you want to keep your immune system up. Like my uncle, he -hmm. has uh, uh, multiple sclerosis. Yes. And so his immune system is shot. Exactly. Everything is shot. Everything's basically just destroying itself in Mm -hmm. his body. And he takes CBD for things like that. And I think that for him, an immune capsule would probably be the best option. So Yes. And we make those for your immune system, for sleep, for Mm -hmm. just straight pain. Um, very low dose if you just need to function throughout the day, but you're suffering from pain. Mm-hmm. We make uh, tinctures. Yes, you do. <laughs> <laughs> for right now, we've been infusing Tahoe Blue Vodka mm-hmm. for our tincture. Which isn't licensed right now, no. by the way. Yeah. <laughs> That's, you have to be gifted those. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so for the long ter- um, in the long run, we will be using... Um, just straight oil Mm -hmm. so say an MCT oil that's beneficial for your brain function and things like that which also aligns with a lot of keto diets by the way so we will infuse that with our CO2 extracted oil in the future and we can make those the same as the capsules so for sleep immune system energy Um, if you're struggling from depression we can make them so you feel happy Um, basically so really, we just need a, a menu. Yeah, like, exactly. Like, you, like, we almost want to create like a health profile. Like, mm-hmm. what are you needing? And just pick and choose and say, I need this, 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 and this. And we can, you can customize it. We, you can customize. And that is our long-term goal. And think, yeah. how involved will that be, though, if you do like an a la carte? Well, I think, of... I think one of the things that we've found is, you know, with all the technology coming out for oil extraction, separation things like this where people are really trying to isolate all of these parts and pieces of cannabis we're finding that it's the synergy of everything Everything. working together Mm -hmm. that is most beneficial and by that i mean a lot of these products that we're talking about fine-tuning 
are in conjunction with cannabis and essential oils that are you know medical grade therapeutic grade and that's where you can kind of dial in recipes Mm -hmm. but we've definitely noticed that it's you know everything together in combination is what is benefiting people the most so so it's not such a wide variety of ingredients like you don't have like a witch's no wall of you know, <laughs> eye of newts and no. all those you know hundreds of different ingredients. You can basically make a combination for all these exactly yeah. stuff using bare minimum exactly yeah of what you guys have at your disposal. And the raw extracts are you know for for, for cannabis or what what kind of house that you know already fine tuned mix and that's mm-hmm. because that plant's been doing its own thing since day one and that's why it's here. So um, it's interesting to you know be able to. Uh, fine-tune for specific ailments but it's uh it's awesome it really is this is like the new frontier Mm -hmm. you guys are are pioneers in my opinion uh, in this sense i we've been going to plenty of dispensaries for many years since the legalization in california at least before for for the medical grade stuff yeah i've been going to for i've had my medical license since my early 20s and i've been going to dispensaries for a long time and i've watched the change happen and it almost feels like you guys are sort of heading towards almost a grassroots approach Mm -hmm. with a modern touch I would agree with, with that. Yeah, like, we finally have gone through, okay, what the dispensary industry was, yes. what it is now, what the product is, what's happening to the products, which was always the fear mm-hmm. from every grower I ever talked to before the legalization was the fear of it heading towards the way of the cigarette company. Yeah. Pre-rolls and crap weed, and it's really just about push and push and push and get the product out, not the focus on the product, which is the opposite of what you guys are doing. Yeah, that's been our goal the whole time. Yeah, so there's there's a fine line that, you know, that's there from what I call, and it's not a negative term, but it's the middleman, bottom mm-hmm. line. You've got people that are producing quality products that have invested the time to learn and also invested the time in, you know, um, figuring out quality genetics. Mm-hmm. And so that fine line is you know based on the dispensaries that choose to opt for volume because they're charging the same price you know and bottom line the people that I feel get affected by that in a negative way are the end users so all you people out there that want the good stuff request it don't be afraid to Mm -hmm. ask or give feedback if something's not quality if something's not good let them know because bottom line, people that are that are using it, you know, are are, are deserving of, of quality product. And again, I'm not not bad mouthing dispensaries, but there is you know that portion of the business. Um, so for us, like you were saying, we're trying to not, you know, we basically want that niche of of people that understand the difference between quality and 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 bad product. And we want to be able to provide what people need and also work with those dispensaries so that they can, you know, meet in the middle on price. I wonder how many people don't know the quality that is capable of, like, the capable qualities reachable. You know what I'm trying yeah. to say? Yeah. Like, yeah. Thank you. That's yeah. the word I'm looking yeah. for. And a lot of people <laughs> don't know because everything, that is the norm at the dispensary. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Like, these people, when it legalized, these people could finally walk in and go, I can do this. Like, yeah. and then, so they probably think, oh, this is 
top shelf. Yes, exactly. But they don't realize there are 10, 15, 20 levels higher than mm-hmm. that. They're going to give shelves. you not only more bang yeah, for exactly. your buck. Lots like of you, shelves. Yeah, <laughs> right? It just, there's, no, there's no ceiling there. There is yeah. no top shelf. You're not getting it. I guarantee you're not getting the top shelf in the dispenser. It may mm-hmm. have no. a branded strain name like what we talked about earlier. Like Sour Diesel is one of my favorites. Yeah. But the Sour Diesel we're getting these days is nothing compared to what it used to be. And, you know, putting something like that in your hands would be a kind of a rude awakening mm-hmm. for the people that have just walked into the dispensary and going, oh, I'm going to get a joint, try it for the first time. You're not trying, you're not smoking what your parents were smoking. You're not smoking what we were trying to legalize, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago. Yeah. Exactly. So the, what, what has uh, your experience been like in getting this business started? I mean, you guys are with an opening date coming up yeah, in, so, in the next few months. How has it been getting to this point? Hard, hardest thing we've ever done. Agree. <laughs> it, com- <laughs> it completely consumed our whole life, mm-hmm. which is totally fine because this is our big dream and this is what we want to do. But it's taken four years to get to almost an opening point. We, we knew we wanted to do this four years ago. And so we started researching how do we do this legally on a yeah. large scale. We really had no idea. We're doing it legally on a small scale. We're caregivers to a small group of people. We want to really go as big as we can, help as many people as we can, because we've seen what it can do for everyone. So I started, since there was no licensing available, I posted a Craigslist ad <laughs> for a <laughs> license to grow weed. And I got calls every hour on the hour to buy weed from me. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> and then after a while, I started rephrasing what it said on Craigslist, and I became a hotline for people also wanting cannabis licenses. Wow. This, this one guy, I'll never forget the call. He called me, and we just kind of hit it off, so I just started talking to him about licensing, and he goes, you know, I learned more from you than anyone else ever <laughs> about licensing. And then after that, I realized, okay, so no more Craigslist ad. That's not, <laughs> that's not Maybe the Maybe not yeah. the pool you want to pull from. <laughs> and at, yeah. at the time, we were researching licensing. We were in both states <laughs> looking at uh, licensing for commercial Nevada and California. And California you know was was looking like a a much quicker easier route Mm -hmm. but there were some things that we liked about nevada because it was so new and kind of their whole process um you know so that's where we started looking into both states and then um it just was just a blessing from god because one day a license they opened up licensing for nevada we had it was in November of 2017 that they opened licensing, or 2018, and uh, we had to turn in our license by December 26th or 27th that year. So we had like two and a half months to do basically a 500-page application from scratch. Oh, Other geez. people we know had paid a million. One guy we know paid a million dollars to have his application filled out for him just the application and he got denied Ooh, oh that's God. gonna hurt so he told so we heard we had one attorney look over an application that chad and i did on our own and he glanced it over and he said that it was unique 
<laughs> and I think he said that because most of the time these these licenses are done by attorneys and obviously Chad and I are not attorneys and you know we have no law background no professional background it makes you wonder if the committee that oversaw or like went through the applications was looking for those who were not bigger corporations maybe like I wonder if that's what they would stand out yeah because a lot of big corporations at that time were buying up licenses in all of the states Mm. and then not actually becoming up and running they were selling those licenses so before we actually got our license we did have the opportunity to purchase licenses from other other people that had acquired them they were 12 million dollars right and yeah. up it was it was it was a, a huge swing basically there yeah. was two sets uh when nevada first opened up for these applications and they went down every couple years mm-hmm. so it was very few and far between the first round it was in 2016 you know a huge percentage of that was like you just said out-of-state money coming in and and buying up the licenses so once nevada took a hard look at who uh was was you know, um, turning in these applications, they noticed that, man, there's a huge influx of -of out-of-state money. So that being said, the second round, they were specifically looking for people that maybe were more local or involved with communities or had tax revenue in the state of Nevada over a period of time. That makes more sense. Yeah. Yeah. So with that said, with our background in Nevada, having the horticultural lighting business and then our partner is one of the largest developers in the area. So uh, it just worked in our favor that we had done a lot for the community. So mm-hmm. that worked out maybe yeah. in so our benefit. I'm curious, uh, now that we've opened that can of worms, mm-hmm. the licensing, does the state benefit more from having growers licensed, growing and producing and you know manufacturing in the state rather than yes. somebody getting a license and somebody buying it, and then somebody getting a license and then somebody buying it, yes, and so on and so forth? Yes, because they want them to become fully operational for that revenue. Right. So because if they, they get don't more tax ever, revenue from yes, it, right? Exactly. Yeah. So if they don't become fully operational, they're not actually making any money. Right. So they they want to make their money. Okay. And, and part of the deal with Nevada, um, after you know, years going by and seeing how all this plays out, is they're actually doing it right in mm-hmm. that versus California where they're slinging licenses with no cap on them just to get a lot of that initial upfront cost and fees for those licenses. Nevada has gone the complete opposite. Uh, it's a very hard process, mm-hmm. and they're matching Only- the licensing of people that cultivate and produce to the dispensaries and only x amount of dispensaries are allowed county by county exactly so it's a slow growth versus having a dispensary every 10 feet that slow and steady wins the race exactly and when we submitted our licensing our attorney apologized to our partner and said i'm sorry it doesn't look like you got it because only four percent of licenses got approved at that time Mm. it just turned out that we were one of those four percent yeah Yeah. Yeah. which says a lot about (laughs) the four percent that we're even eligible I mean, I'm surprised there hasn't been a clause put into the legislation saying that out of state, you can't be an out of state licensed purchaser kind of thing. Like, I'm surprised that hasn't happened yet. And I think that because they make, they start a business in that state, so they're not out of state. So I know, like, one of the local companies we work with, or not work with, but compete against eventually, they have a license, they have facilities in nevada all over the east coast florida everywhere so yeah nationwide and that's mm -hmm. that's part of the big business so as each new state jumps on board they might 
well, they're becoming aware of that. Mm-hmm. And so hopefully yeah. that kind of plays out, you know, for their locals that have been doing this in the shadows and, and actually have the skill and the knowledge versus just people throwing money at it. Right. Mm-hmm. Of course everyone wants to get in on it. Well, yeah, it's, of the, course. it's the green rush. Well, yeah. and so this is basically why you guys had to prove everything you were doing. Mm-hmm. Every step, the building had to be built by a certain date, and you oh, had to prove sure. production has. And like, you had to go to. Didn't you have to go to court? Uh, we did. We yeah. had to go to. Um, we had to go in front of the city and get special use permits to operate both That's businesses. Right. And we had seven out of seven committee members vote yes. So that was. It was a stressful process, but it went really well. One thing I can say about that process is the time that we took, you know, doing that application was, it it was a ton. And, you know, it was daunting. Mm -hmm. Just take one item at a time, figure out the answer, get it filled in appropriately, and don't miss any steps. Mm -hmm. That being said, when we started working with the local entities of the planning department and the building department and the fire Fire departments, everyone has been so helpful and it's it's the deal is is if you go into it thinking they're there for you which is how it is that you can't be scared to ask questions you can't be scared to bug them because you're trying to get this complete you know application or license or building plan submitted so everyone that you know you would suspect would be you know maybe standoffish because of what it is complete opposite Everyone in the planning department, like I said, has just been so helpful. And so that's made it, you know, more enjoyable and and, and less of a burden. Uh I wonder if a lot of that has to do with the fact that you are a mom and pop. You literally are the definition of a mom and pop organization. And I think that... That yeah. goes a lot further these days than ever before. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that in some states, especially Nevada, you'll see that shift where the committees are like... Yeah, we'd rather like have you because you know we know you're going to live here, mm-hmm. and we know you're going to produce for us, and you're going to shop in our grocery stores, and you're going to pay all the taxes here. You're not going to live over there paying your taxes exactly. over there. We're not going to yeah. see a dime of it. And they see that you have your heart in it. I, like I, I want to believe that. Yeah, that's, <laughs> I want to believe that too. Like I want you so badly, <laughs> and especially because during that whole process, our daughter she wasn't in school at that time. She yeah. did go to the planning department yeah. with us. She did go to the special use permit hearing. <laughs> she did go to the Department of Taxation almost every day with me because yeah. I had to go there every day with questions yeah. and and getting um, through to somebody on a phone call was not always that easy because you know I'm Face sure the they're getting a so lot of calls difference. yes it really does and it really did and we got I mean everybody remembers her more than us <laughs> well, <laughs> well, like, like, how can you not remember that kid, <laughs> she is there memorable is, I don't like kids yeah. I would steal her <laughs> although I've heard her get bossy and I hand her pack pretty quick <laughs> yeah I think yes. you mentioned yesterday she oh, was oh yeah she's my mini me I was like oh, she's a little Khaleesi you yelling doing? at you all day oh, she's doing really good yeah, she's doing awesome she wanted to be here for this today yeah. so we had to go through the whole reason why she couldn't be yeah, <laughs> yeah. maybe next time when we yeah. We're Next not talking time. too much shop. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I can have her on and, and we can yeah. talk about her a little bit more. Oh, yeah. She's got a very she'll interesting talk a story. Lot. Yeah. Yeah, she'll oh, tell yeah. her story. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She could fill yeah. up a few hours. That would be awesome. <laughs> For sure. No, she's a she's one of those rare old souls. Yes. Just, How old is Khaleesi now? She just turned six. That's right. Yeah. Yep. Gosh, she's so great. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. Um 
so we keep throwing around Nevada, right? Yes, so Nevada. So you guys are going to be mainly operating out of Nevada, so yes. our Nevada listeners will be able to enjoy your services. Of course. Um, we'll be operating right in, yes, we'll be operating in Carson City, Nevada, so not to be confused with Vegas. Mm-hmm. So we are northern Nevada, so we'll be supplying all dispensaries in Reno and Carson City, as well as Vegas. Wow. Yeah. So, Fantastic. Yes. Huge. Yes. So we've already reached out to most of the local dispensaries, so they do know us. And we almost became growers for one of the local dispensaries at first. In 2016, we got hired by one of the dispensaries, the largest one in Carson City. And right as we were signing that contract, the guy called and said, we're going to go a different direction. Little did we know it was for it was, the better. Yeah, obviously, it was going to help the us. The universe yes. smiled yeah. upon you. Yes, <laughs> devastating back then, but really yeah. a blessing. Ste- steered us in the right direction. Yeah, because... it's funny how that works. Isn't yes. It? Now it, we get to grow for ourselves. Exactly. Yes. You're doing what you actually wanted, wanted to, to be do. doing. Exactly. Yeah. And you just needed that. Mm-hmm. Somebody needed to kick you off that curb. Exactly. I guess, and we so failed. <laughs> I mean, we failed a lot in the beginning. Got a lot of no's. It was just dead end after dead end, and we just knew this is, it was almost like a divine calling. This is what we have to do. This is what we're going to do. One of the things we've learned is, is so often, you know, you get terms thrown around of, you know, oh, work harder, do this and that, mm-hmm. and, you know, and, and as, as true as that is, um, you know, this in particular really opened us up to is, you know, that's exactly the case. Yeah. If you truly want something bad enough, you can get it. What yeah. we learned is, yeah. is in the beginning, uh, you know, you'd get a lot of no's or a lot of shut doors or no answers to the questions they were asking. So for us, we learned to go and think outside the box and not accept no for an answer, but go f- seek the solution to the problem go find the answer and that's probably the biggest thing we took away from this is that's why people get discouraged it's almost designed to where if you're you know easily thrown off by a no that's true. then you're going to stop doing it no matter what yeah. it is so for us it was okay we want this that bad that we're going to make it happen no matter what and that's yeah. kind of how you have to go into Anything. It's like getting kicked off a horse. Yes. If you want to ride that damn horse, yes. you're going to get yourself up out of the dirt. Exactly. You're yeah. going to wipe yourself off. You're going to figure out what you did wrong. Yeah. And you're going to get back on that damn horse. Exactly. Just, this, this came so quick as far as this green rush that that's where a lot of big business seem to take control so rapidly. The green rush. And dis- <laughs> discourage people that have been doing it and, and actually have, I think, a more of a legit right to be able to do it. Because they've been doing it the longest, you know? And so that's uh, the biggest lesson I think we took from the whole process was is just don't ever accept a no. Keep going. Do you feel like the stigma behind cannabis was probably creating a lot of those obstacles? For me, it was. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Like personally or professionally? Both both for me. Yeah. Because I felt like a lot of people didn't want to answer my questions because they were cannabis questions and they didn't want to be affiliated with the answer if they were wrong. Right. So I feel like a lot of people just wouldn't answer my questions professionally. And then um, individually, it wasn't hard for me with family and, and very close friends, but being a mom and then having those mom friends and those relationships, I didn't want people to think a certain way of me 
because of what we do. Mm-hmm. Which and I had I'm to get just going to tell you, as a friend, you mm-hmm. do have to get over it because yeah. not only do you not present yourself in any kind of stoner hippie way, uh-huh. there's no way you could. You, you walk into your house, it doesn't smell like weed. You mm-hmm. don't have vines hanging drying on your walls. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you're not. Yeah. You don't have dreadlocks. You you you're not nothing the stereotype. No, no, nothing. No, I'm, I'm not that I'm there's pulling, anything wrong with I'm that. I'm pulling stereotypes. You know what I mean? Yes. All the things that would make you suggest this person doesn't have their shit together, but you too Definitely. do have your shit together. Yeah. You have a beautiful home. You have a beautiful daughter. You have a beautiful you. relationship. Mm-hmm. You held. You keep yourself together very nicely. Like Aww, walking you. down the street, you would just look at them and go, "Oh, they're a nice, successful family." It's, um, how do you uh, confront those people that? might have a problem with you being a mom like are there are there bickering other moms at school so they're not bickering i think that when they find out they more or less avoid me or don't talk to me so more like i waved i made a mom friend at school like the first week of school and then the next day i waved to her and she walked right by me so just certain things are just like I think that certain people still do have that stigma, so maybe those people just aren't our people. Yeah, and that's okay. Yeah, okay. I think of it yeah, as okay. as as you can see now that it is more you know public and 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 there's just such a wide variety of people that are benefiting from cannabis that that mm-hmm. is definitely something that. I still have to get used to coming from back in the day, growing up in the foothills, as Brandon can attest to, where it was basically guerrilla farming, you know, and still that's, is kind of. and that's yeah. like one <laughs> of those things that's, now, that's for me is hard to, to get over. Obviously I have now that we're this far into it, but I want to say it was, you know, maybe a year ago, I still felt kind of standoffish to talk about it to people, but we have a ton of friends police officer friends, oh, yeah. firemen friends. The list goes on. Veterans? Veterans. The more that you talk about it here and there, the more you'll see that everyone, for the most part, is open to listening to it and having a discussion about it and, and us being on the other side of it to open their eyes to that's the part I love. The benefits. Mm-hmm. So that's where it's it's becoming much easier because you can see the people that you're helping and and that feeling alone is priceless and and there you go it's it's that, that just makes, makes it, it easier yeah. makes it easier to, to deal with those people that are judging yes yeah. i love when those you, <laughs> i love when you have the biggest doubter or the biggest say hater of it and you say okay so i had this one guy who he couldn't breathe he's on oxygen 24 hours a day emphysema used to be a smoker and he i told him that i could make a respiratory sap Cannabis is a bronchodilator, and if used topically, it can open your airways. And then with the proper therapeutic-grade oils, you can raise your oxygen saturation. So he didn't believe that. And so I gave him a product, and he used it, and he's off oxygen all day, all night. And his doctor, he's he's sitting in his doctor's office, and his doctor said, you'll never be off oxygen as he's sitting there off of oxygen wow yeah. so, so yeah. to this day the doctor like yeah. the doctor is still tripping out and scratching Doesn't his head it. as to why and incredible. it's incredible it's such mind-blowing. a shame and it's so simple the solution it's, is so simple it, it, it simple. really is a shame that there is scientific data yes that has been done and researched we know it we know that there's the molecule in the brain that it, it attaches to perfectly 
I mean, it literally fills in what seems to be a gap in our brain. Yes, we have right? a lot of CBD receptors in yeah. our brain, so it really does help brain function. And then you have these doctors that go through, you know, 8, 10, 12 years of medical school, and they're just taught to not even accept that data. Of course. That it just, it boggles my mind. Thanks, big farm. <laughs> Actually, the fear that something like this yes. could replace something like oxygen tanks or that cancer oxy, medication, oxycontin. Oxycontin. everything, anything that yeah. poses a threat to the yeah. big farm company. Believe me, my uncle was, he'll always be, once, once is, always will be uh, a compound pharmacist. Mm -hmm. He was always looking for the next new ingredient. Yeah. If you look at it, there are hardly ever any compound pharmacists anymore. Because they don't want them looking for things. No. They don't want, want them to challenge. Because they, well, there's things you can buy over the counter, which is the best cold and flu medicine you can get. What's the best one you get? Is a leave D? Yeah. Yo, it's, it's 60 milligrams of Sudafed and 500 milligrams of naproxen. All of that can be bought generically over the... A lot of your prescriptions yeah. are just the same things on the shelf. You just have to double or triple up. Exactly. Do not take that advice from me. I'm saying yeah, do we your are research. Not, we are not doctors. Right. But if you have something that can potentially take somebody's, basically their revenue source, mm -hmm. you're a threat to big farm in a lot of ways. So they'll push it down and push it away because they don't think there's any money in it. There's, of course. There's, there's probably still remain remains a ton of money being thrown at opposing it through... Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, legislation and big farm, of course. Um, but I think it's too far in the other direction. Now they're probably leaning towards focusing on how can we get in on this? Yep. Mm -hmm. Better. And so that being said, and eventually that will be the case. Yeah, yep. there's. And then us small farmers yeah. can say no, yeah. no thanks. Yes. Yeah. So so <laughs> for me, so for me, there's still that. You know. You can't be disrespecting the people that have been doing this for the length of time. And I'm oh. talking about all of those people that have been breeding cannabis since, yeah, you know, the, the 80s and have mm -hmm. had it passed on from mm -hmm. parents to them. And that type of, of due diligence in the darkness and the shadows of, of it being illegal is, you know, something that still needs to be, be there because it's very important. Without those people, we would not be where we are on the legal side of things. And that's where, you know, I, I really am excited to be able to doing this from the little guy aspect because there is so much of that already coming into play and that's something that needs to be curbed. And this is how we feel we can be a part mm -hmm. of that. We're based, not to make a comparison... Well, I'm going to make the comparison. We're like, you guys are like the new age bootleggers. Yeah, we like, are kind of. Like, it's almost like we're going through our generation's prohibition. Mm -hmm. And we're seeing the end of that. And those who stuck it out and did it behind closed doors and exactly. continued on the same path. Yeah. I mean, a lot you, can, of similarities. you can walk in and buy moonshine off the shelf now. Yeah. yeah you know what I mean? similarities. Very similar. And the way we did things back in the day were very similar. Yeah. But, very secretive. And I think bottom line as far as like comparing <clears throat> to things like, you know, uh, traditional medication and things like that, it, it blows my mind that you can watch a TV ad for a pill with a host oh, yeah. of side effects. Oh, that are worse than the symptoms. It's so and if you take the time to listen to those side effects closely, how, you know, it just blows your mind how there could even be, 
you know, something like that that's available. There's even there's even one of the disclaimers that makes me laugh every time. Like if the pill is called fuck it all, it says if you're allergic to fuck it all, you probably shouldn't take fuck it all. And it's like it's, it's how own, do you know you're going to be allergic to it? Yeah. Your, yeah. It's own medication. Yeah, so yeah. stupid, mind blowing. So dumb. Yeah, but um, so but if they didn't say it. I know. Right. Yeah. Well, it probably happened to one person in the test group, so they have to say it. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you mentioned gorilla farming, and there's still a lot of uh, negativity that goes along with cultivation of marijuana. You know, there's of uh, a lot of uh, homicides are committed because of people who have those types of grow operations in their house, and people are just going to break in, steal their crop, yeah. save their cash, because a lot of the other side of the, this whole thing is federally you can't use banks no. to deal with your your finances if you're running one of these businesses so even if you're doing it legitimately there's still those hoops that you have to jump through um but when you're just doing it at your house or you know at, at a at a local commune whatever it might yeah. be there's that angle that you have to worry about too and how so how are you guys dealing with that type of a threat um well for us it's you know just I don't know. It's it's tough. Uh, you know, up in our location, it's definitely not as prevalent. But in larger mm-hmm. cities, you know, you definitely see that. Like I said, we have several police friends that tell us stories, of course. Um, and I think that's that's going to be there no matter what people are doing. There's always a criminal aspect to everything. Um, but it is a new set of problems that it poses. And, um, you know, for us, as far as our facility... There's a list secure. of secure uh, security measures that you have to take that are spec'd out prior to you know opening up. Yeah, um, we have a 20-page security plan, so oh it's yeah. pretty yeah. intense. Yeah. I mean, barbed wire fences, yeah. cameras, recording. I mean, it's the list goes on and on, Everywhere. even even through you know inside the facility mm-hmm. as far as key coded doors. Only you know areas only certain allowed for certain people even in the employees things like that so those mm-hmm. are things that we take very seriously and um you know having friends that are in law enforcement it's it's always good to you know say hey you want to make another pass by our shop here and there for us and yeah. so you know we respect that <clears throat> aspect of it 100 percent. hopefully banking won't be an issue much longer because there are some new regulations coming to fruition with that mm-hmm. But, you know, facilities like ours use armored trucks to take it to the tax place. <laughs> the money place. The money place. The word just like left my brain. <laughs> so I looked at him. <laughs> we don't necessarily need to disclose where the no, money yeah. truck is. Basically, going. you have well, a special, like, it's like it's a special credit union. Yes, yeah. to the, the IRS. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like paying them directly. And it's all armored services. None of us will ever have the cash or anything like that. But as as the money ball keeps rolling and banking uh you know looks at this it's like anything that's why they're you know working on declassifying it off of schedule one so that mm, yeah. obviously the banks are sitting back seeing all these states go catch on to you know to, mm-hmm. to this business and they're just itching so at this point it's just a matter of time that We're it can so be on, on the right oh, side of that. So yeah. We have people in our uh, close group, uh, our working group too, that are developing different programs that'll help businesses work 
business to business and things like that. I can't disclose too much information right. about that because sure. yeah. I don't really. But it's a, basically a, leg- right. a legit way to yeah. help in, in you know ahead of banking catching on. Exactly. Yeah. So it's looking really promising as well. Have you guys had any major scares in your experience of of growing or oh, yeah. distribution? Really? <laughs> well, yes. Anything you you'd like to share? Any other I don't stories? Mind. I don't mind sharing yeah. about it. It made so, us almost <laughs> clear. I'm really surprised yeah. we are still cultivating because of this. Yeah. Scenario, this Basically, scenario. this is you know, uh, this is right up the questions alley there. But I'll just say you're not living until you've had a gun put in your face. <laughs> So that being said, yeah. uh, there was an incident that happened long and, before and, we had our daughter. Yeah, this was before our daughter, and it was um, no uh, childs were, were involved. No, no. Uh, a neighbor, you know, was renting his house, right and I said, "Oh, you know, I got a friend that that, that that would be interested." And so he ended up renting to my friend, and my friend ended up doing his own thing under a medical license, legit for uh-huh. himself in the garage. Bro. Yeah. So this guy's son. Um, you know, lived up in Oregon, and uh, during that time, the father passed away. Uh, super cool guy, super cool neighbor, and the son, uh, you know, caught wind from one of the dad's friends that was just basically doing drive-bys and checking on the house and just kind of basically looking after the property. Well, one day he saw a bunch of cars with different license plates in front of and it, trash and is. trash and stuff like this, and so he told yeah, the son. Hey, I think you got to get down there and check on this house. So, um, of course, these are the worst kind of people. Um, tweakers uh, were knocking. They came that night, you know, and it was probably I want to guess four they, in the they, they, yeah, three or four in the morning. They were sitting out in their trucks in these yards, uh, three of them, uh, two guys and a lady, all of them packing, banging on my door first thing in the morning. And of course, I shoot out of bed, <sighs> wondering what's going on. Is something on fire? What's what's happening? And I opened the door to this guy stuffing a gun in my face. Not only that, he was yelling at us to put our gun down. We don't have yeah, guns. We don't own guns. So this Good shows God. you the level of how wound like, up these people were. Jeez. All of them reaching behind their backs, just like, oh my gosh. So I, you know, just They kept took calm. them out of our house. They said, oh, I've got some questions about the neighbor. And, and so we walked over there. Uh, my friend wasn't there at the time. His Two of his roommates were. And they were just fully wound up and and just couldn't believe that we were doing this and that. And so we were desperately trying to get our friend over here to explain. And bottom line, this guy is an outdoor grower in Oregon. So it's it's in the just, part of Oregon where they make their own laws where the the cops don't even yeah. go. It's yeah. called like the Emerald Triangle. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the murder. Yes. Is this like yeah. similar yes, to Murder like Mountain? Murder Mountain similar, but yeah. it's right above it yeah. in Oregon. Yeah. It, the oh murder gosh. Mountain yes. is only like, uh, it's right there. Right there at the border of yeah. Oregon and California. It's, it's up way it's up there. So there's Murder Mountain yeah. and the Emerald Triangle, Emerald Triangle to yes. completely avoid. Yes. 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 So, avoid that at all costs. So yes. our friend finally made it there, you know, that was the one renting, came off of work and after getting a million phone calls. And bottom line, as the crank was wearing off, they were starting to settle down. And, you know, um, calmer heads prevailed. Nothing went down other than they, they basically robbed everything. him, took mm-hmm. everything that he had, you know, harvested, whatever, and just said, we're taking this straight up. And, of course, not wanting to rock any of the boat. It was, it just was what it was. And it was, 
very disheartening, like Carissa said. It was almost a point of, like, what are we doing? You know, I mean, obviously this had nothing to do with us, but it was still there. Too close to home. It was crazy because what are we doing and why are we still doing it? Mm -hmm. Because at that time, it was... It wasn't what it is now for us. We were just, we didn't know why we were doing it. Now, I think it's because we were literally called to keep doing it, Mm -hmm. to get where we are now, Mm -hmm. to help the people we helped. So it is weird we kept going after that. And then not even just after that, they built this house next door here. And so when that was getting built, um, they ended up thinking they were going to have a problem maybe selling it because one day they had, you know, I don't, I'm not sure exactly how they caught on, but they called the cops and fire department and they ended up coming here. And that was another like, ugh, what are we doing? But, but of course they came that through. That went really well. And, and it went to what, what Haley had mentioned earlier that we wouldn't fit under that typical mold. So exactly. of course we invite, you know, the sheriff's department in Sunday morning. Hey, you know, what's going on? Oh, we had a smell complaint and come to find out it was only because the guy that built the house was trying to sell the house and Mm -hmm. he basically called the cops on us because he was worried it wasn't going to sell for whatever weird reason. So So they really have smell issues here anyway. You can't smell That's what what the complaint was. It's funny because we've been here all year, all seasons of the year. A lot of people have. And not once have you ever, have we ever smelled it. And people that don't know we do what we do come Mm -hmm. here and have no idea. So... That was just one of those rare. Yeah. And they, they saw that we were compliant, uh, you know. They got the fire department, check our wiring. Nothing they could wow. do about but it. We, they all said, this is high and tight. And basically best they've ever seen. High-fived us and, and <laughs> went, went on, literally, <laughs> and went on their way. I was just like, high-fiving the lines they walk to, out. To this, to this day, <laughs> we, we, we still see the yeah, same like, officer. And, friends with and we're friends. You guys don't start. You don't create drama. You don't create criminal activity you are not the problem you're yeah. not what they look for yeah. you, you guys pay your taxes you you exactly you're part of the community you're not in it for you're not in it for the money you never were no. you didn't even know why you were in it first it was just like a, a it's never been for money with us right. it's always it's, been a we help look at what we did for that person it's not your passion it's your purpose exactly and that's why you're doing it even when you don't know why you're doing it Mm -hmm. it's just it's something you're supposed to be doing so we agree you're always gonna like go back to that yes for whatever reason this is your purpose Mm -hmm. so chris i see you brought some some notes oh yeah what what is this fancy laminated (laughs) (laughs) it's just um different cannabinoids different terpenes how they work in your body um the medical benefits of different cannabinoids. Mm-hmm. Um, well, maybe explain what a terpene is to people. Yeah. So a That's... terpene is actually, so there's terpenes in everything. There's 20,000 different terpenes. You can find them in mangoes, lemongrass, thyme, lemon lime, things like that. Um, there's a hundred, more than a hundred different terpenes in cannabis alone. So what that means is terpenes are um basically like the unique flavors and aromas mm-hmm. in the cannabis so say you get a a nug that smells more like citrusy so that's probably high in limonene 
So that's good for things like energizing you, uplifting you, relieving stress, things like that. So finding that right terpene for your ailments important. And then also if you're just a connoisseur that can add flavor to your cannabis, things like that. We have a strain that's really fruity and everyone always asks us if we infuse the terpenes. <laughs> we don't do anything like that. We don't alter our cannabis. We don't the process GMOs. our cannabis more than we have to. Yeah. Right. So, and the only process we will be doing in the future is CO2 extraction. And then I'll still infuse butters and oils for our mm -hmm. creams and topicals, things like that. But um, yeah, knowing your terpenes. So how do you so find out what your terpene is so what you know like basically what's wrong with you okay so or what are you looking for mm -hmm. are you looking for something more calm so if you want something more calm you would do like terpinoline which is a more piney smell or taste so really you can okay. once you learn the different terpenes mm -hmm. you can really do it by smell yes yeah. so There's you can kind of go oh well this one's gonna one. have exactly this, this one's gonna have this so just doing your research and knowing that terpenes are out there is helpful. Which can, in conjunction with those terpenes, enhance the effects. Of course. Which is what we're learning. So something I've always known is that mango can increase the intensity of your high. or and it, But it depends on what strain you're smoking it with or taking it with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think it's like, it starts with an M. Is it my, my cream? My cream is your that's mango. The, yeah. That's and mango that's also one. like lemongrass, mm -hmm. thyme. It's relaxing, calming, synergistic with THC. Yep. So yeah, that would be. But it can't be the, it's not dried mango. It's got to be fresh mango. Mm -hmm. I have to. If you Live. guys, seriously, <laughs> smoke a bowl, slice up a mango, and sit back. Trust me on this one. You'll feel the difference. Yeah. Yeah. So. So there's, there's a lot of science behind this. And are you going to sure. make a lot of this information available of course. to the public? So what I want to do is I've been working on our website for a few years now. And I want to have all of the different terpenes on there what ailments they're good for. I want you to be able to put what's wrong with you and mm -hmm. then our system recommend an edible, if you want an edible, the topical and a flower. So you can choose from, if you're not an edible person, you can't ingest edibles, your heart races, you get too anxious, you can't handle the feeling, things like that, then you're probably a, a person who would benefit from smoking it or using a topical mm -hmm. so and the so only way to really find that out is by testing things yeah. and seeing how you feel because sure. literally every person is different and every strain is different everyone every that strain. we get from you guys is a Completely little different, different. It, it, it's mm -hmm. like one will make me feel really good and hot and like floaty another will make me feel very focused and and you know pain free and another gives me the giggles like you wouldn't believe i love the giggly one i love that's why i like sour diesel it's a giggly weed for me <laughs> so so do you guys plan on having like since we're mentioning that the flavors and strains are different they might taste different every time do you mm -hmm. plan on having like a consistent like this is like the reserve blend and that yes. you'll have like one consistent one so people can keep going to those yeah specific strains we're yeah, gonna we, have 20 consistent strains wow That's yeah we, yes. we want to be able to basically there's a there's something out there for everybody so we feel that if we can have a wide variety of strains then we're going to be able to reach out and help more people 
Um, of course, it'll be fun too to you know save some things for seasonal, mm. you yeah, know, yeah. yields, things like that. The holiday holiday blend. Yeah, the yeah. holiday blend, the summer blend. You yeah. know what I mean? Sure. So, yeah, that kind of create the mood and the and yeah. the feeling like if you want something that makes you warm sure. and toasty. That's going to be your Christmas blend. Yeah. yeah, it'd be nice to come up with like a subscription box and have like just like a boxy charm or like curology. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, I would love that. That's, yes, that's I think that's makeup. <laughs> it is. But, you know, but so like your curology is um, not that I use it, but their platform is similar to what you're describing. Exactly. Is you go through and you personalize what you need, mm-hmm. and you get so many products. And your know, boxy charms the same. These subscription boxes. Mm-hmm. Not that we're gonna. It, it's the way I'm saying it now is starting to cheapen it. But it's not supposed to be like that. <laughs> no, but it would be nice to have like. Like a box with a variety yeah. each month like that you're subscribed to. I get a pain cream, yeah. a flower, and I'm I'm begging for a lip balm because yes. I get the disgusting cold sores. And I have made those before, and I'm so sorry. I don't no, have no, one for you today. Don't apologize. <laughs> but I just, it would be, you know, it's funny you mentioned, um, I didn't know about the bronchial yes. expanding. Mm-hmm. And when I was sick recently, I was using the pain cream. And I did put a respiratory salve in your box See? this time. And I was using the pain cream alongside with my Vicks, and, it, and it works. I feel like it helps better. It does. And I just had, um, so I had cool sculpting done on my chin, like Ooh. just over a week ago, so it's still really puffy and tender. I want that. Yeah, you do. <laughs> it's so cool. I'll tell you more later. But, okay. <laughs> um, but it's really very tender. I, I don't want to downplay. Like, it's not like you go in. Yeah, it's like for the first couple of days, it was really, really just numb mm-hmm. and just really puffy, and now it's just puffy and like, just this is like, ooh, ooh, ooh. Yeah. So I've been using the pain cream right here, and it's been doing wonders. It's been Good. working on my fasciitis on my foot. It works on all of my joint pains. I have joint pains everywhere. You know, I, I just want to bathe in that stuff. Yeah, <laughs> the pain cream's really helping so many people, and us too. He hurt his neck recently mm-hmm. and couldn't move at all, so that was really helping him with his mobility. And then our daughter has growing pains, and so we've yeah. been putting the pain cream on her, and it doesn't go through your transdermal layer or get into your bloodstream, so you can use the topicals. You're not going to get high from it exactly. at all. It's we just even have veterans that use our yeah. topicals, and if you... Um, so veterans are not allowed to use right. cannabis because they'll lose their yep. VA benefits. It's a federal program, so federally they're not allowed to. So we do have a guy that gets tested every three months, and he's been using our topicals for two years and does not test positive ever. It's, it's one of those things that we hope to think outside the box on once we get going is to try to break down those barriers, especially if things go the way we want to work with of, the VA. Of it being yeah. declassified, banks jumping on board, this, that, and the other. That would open, I believe, the gates to being able to help veterans in a way that they aren't going to be looked at as, as you know, that same old stigma. So that's something that we're hoping to really get involved with once, once we get up and running yeah. because wanna, it's, it's, a, it's a big deal to us. I want to put a pin on our vision board because mm-hmm. we all talk about this all the time. Mm-hmm. Like you guys, the people listening to this podcast, this may be the first time you're hearing this. But this is a discussion that we've been having for years now. Yeah. Constantly coming up with ideas. But I just want to put a pin on the idea of your pain cream being used in pharmacies. I would love it. Like a, like you guys created the formula mm-hmm. and it becomes a new medication. Like It would be amazing. Right? Like yeah. You guys are the new 
farm. Yeah. Well, you see, a, you see a lot of CBD products. <laughs> there's CBD now. It's in every grocery store. You yeah. Know? Like there's dog treats. There's creams. There's other yeah. there various products that, that are CBD infused. So A-R-M. <laughs> are you guys planning on getting into the CBD industry as well? Like, is oh, that yes. all in conjunction with? We are. But I think, again, for us, too, we're, we're seeing that it's the combination of things. And, and the more you try to break down and isolate, I think you get further away from that plant's, you know, um, purpose, which is uh, it's, it's pretty much good to go in raw form. So the more that you can, you know, work together with all of these, because there's so many compounds and CBD is such a buzzword, but of course, you know, there's, you know, everyone reacts differently to THC. So I understand that there is a need to make products without it, but, um, we will be definitely, um, we're working with a lot of outdoor hemp farmers and we've also acquired a building that we may grow indoor hemp in or we may make it another processing facility depending on demand. Mm -hmm. So um, there are a lot of different options for us in the future. With CBD, we are big believers in CBD. We just maybe have done a lot of experimenting and we've come to the conclusion it's best to add that hemp CBD in with a little cannabis THC and CBD. It's it's more of the full spectrum. Yes, exactly. We've been finding the same things. We use a lot of CBD Mm -hmm. for Walter and like for us. And the thing that I found Walter's our dog. Yeah, Walter. Well, yeah, Walter's (laughs) the dog. Um, We found that it has to be and say full spectrum. Yes. Because otherwise it just doesn't cut it or you need so much more of it. It's just not a viable source. No. And to get full spectrum now, you have to get it at a dispensary. Yep. Mm-hmm. You can't get it at where we were getting it before, health food stores, things like that. So now you can only get CBD isolates at health food stores, yeah. gotcha. which isn't as beneficial. It can help anxiety. It can help pain, maybe not extreme chronic pain, things like that. But CBD, you need that THC yes. molecule in there, I feel like. Or full leaf extract, yeah. full spectrum, anything like that is more beneficial. The more you process it, the less beneficial it is. Right. So It's like with anything. You exactly. over-process food, you're going to take everything and all the nutrients out of it. Exactly. And we want to help people so we're trying to process everything as little as we can. Right. So Basically, when you're looking at it from a grower's aspect, every grower is trying to do whatever they can to help that plant reach its fullest genetic potential so if you think about it like you go to all the trouble to you know reach that then why would you go and basically reverse that as far as breaking it down over processing things like that so um yeah that's kind of a mention over processing and processing so much causes it's more cost it's very expensive to process things in your co2 extraction machine even with I I mean, we're not as familiar with processing with butane and those kinds of chemicals, Mm -hmm. but yeah, the more you process it, the more expensive it gets. So one pass through of say 60 pounds of biomass is $55,000. That's a lot. So it adds up and that's one pass through. So that's not even your final product. So Mm -hmm. say that's hemp, Um, say you have 2% hemp and you want 10 or 2% CBD in your hemp and you want 10%. So 
that person with 2% hemp has to put it through that machine five times compared to the person with 10% who only has to put it through the machine once. Wow. So to get so, the to get that product. So, sorry, that might be confusing for everyone the way I said that. Numbers are sometimes yeah. hard, yeah, it's hard, it's hard to follow. To, yeah. Yeah. Basically, it comes down to the money that it costs yeah. to, to get to that final product. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So if you if you're taking a lower quality product and yeah. you're processing it and processing it, yeah. it's going to be more expensive. Way more expensive than if you just started from the ground up yes. with a better quality product anyway. And and you're like the C crop, you know, your better nutrients and things like that because mm-hmm. it if you're processing it so much, it must not have reached its best potential. Exactly. So. And I mean, that's kind of what I was trying to say yeah. in a really confusing way. <laughs> <laughs> we got there. We got there. That was a long walk. <laughs> um, so I've been lucky enough to see your, your operation, maybe not the full-scale operation, but um, your growing operation. And Cheddar, you're... You're like a mad scientist. <laughs> well, I mean, without giving any way of your trade secrets, you do grow indoor. Yes. Do you find that the product is better grown indoor versus outdoor? Um, I'll, as better for me is is cleaner. So in that aspect, yes. And um, you know, as far as you know, how long I've been doing this, and 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 the quality that we have achieved is. You know, it's 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 there because of the time that's been invested. Mm-hmm. It's you know more than just a hobby. So that being said, you start to really research and dig into, you know, how do plants? You basically teach yourself. Uh, you know, uh, over twenty plus years, you're gonna you're gonna figure some things out just through trial and error. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so it's it's uh, a labor of love for sure. Do what you love, and you'll never work a day in your life. This Absolutely. wise Canadian once said, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so that that's that's where I, I get get the uh, the quality for me is just time invested, uh, along with I'll say it again, genetics. Mm-hmm. Genetics is key. Um, that's going to be something that's going to be interesting as as things become more commonplace with cannabis. Uh, you're going to start to see people try to trademark and patent genetics. And why not, right? If there's money in it, then that's mm-hmm. what they're going to do. Yeah. But um, thankfully, there's a lot of people that have, like I said, been doing this for so long that those quality genetics are still available and um, prevalent, which is why you know we have such good quality that we have. How do you determine what is a good genetically sound product? For me, it starts from you know um, sprouting seeds. You can start at that point and see how quickly they germinate uh, any you know given um, person that you get get genetics from you can see you know how well they uh, you know start basically and then from there it's watching the growth rate the growth pattern what's the structure like you know you get to a point where you start to sex out males from females and then you can oh! yeah. and then <laughs> you, you can put your see finger in their exactly exactly <laughs> So you feel around, and, yeah. and, and and you begin to figure out, you know, okay, what's 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 a better quality <laughs> growing plant, and then from there you you know flower the product and see, okay, wow, this was a really good yielder, and then from there, okay, this tested very you know high, uh, and 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 so that's kind of what I look for is is from the beginning, you know, structure of plant, how they grow, how they yield, and a lot of this is be, because. Where you're at now is a lot of a lot of it is probably because of this collective that you've 
grown over the years, pun intended. Yeah. Um, with people that you trust. Yeah. Like our genetics guy. Yeah. yeah. There's actual people that are out there that are doing mm-hmm. this genetic work. Yeah, I'm going to give a shout out to one of our favorite breeders, uh, <laughs> Mad Farmer, uh, grew up in the Central Valley. And just to give you an example of like how the lineage works and, and, and what I'm talking about as far as people that have been doing this. So his aunt in the early 80s went to Afghanistan on a peacekeeping mission and brought home some land race Afghanistan seeds. Um, his dad was big into breeding and taught him and his brother. And so that's, you know, that's where you get people that have been doing it for so long that, again, through time have been able to, uh, you know, get those quality traits that are desirable through breeding and not in breeding so that they can have those quality, um, you know, uh, pieces to the puzzle that are still available so um, that's that's you know one of many uh, that have been doing it for a long time and that's where you're going to find quality product i think a lot of people don't understand that the strains that we're smoking today derive from like a handful of yeah. original strains yeah like you mentioned yeah. going to afghanistan to get yeah. the you know the afghan kush yeah yeah there's that's where it came from. Yeah. And, yes. In the Middle East, a lot of the, the yeah. original strains came from there. I'm not even sure. So I guess because my family has been not only growing and smoking since way before I was born, mm-hmm. um, the stuff that I started smoking from my family is was at the time like 40 generational strains, like from original seeds. Yeah. That I, it's not been cultivated. It's outdoor grown. It's more natural. It's a little bit different than what you would expect. Yeah. That shit will fuck you up. Like, <laughs> it is like, it's the difference between, you know, organic and, and like, clones. Like, yeah. it's just, with, I imagine with the same thing with any kind of cloning process, eventually it's just going to start breaking down and degrading. But if you're growing traditionally where it's, it's original seeds and you're mm-hmm. harvesting those seeds and you're producing more and more and more, it's just a completely different animal. Yeah, I think it's like you're saying, you know, geographically, you'll have those varying strains from, like Mm -hmm. you said, the Middle East to South America Mm -hmm. to the hills of Nepal. I mean, it just goes on. And that's where your 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 quality uh, genetics are, are, you know, trying to reach back to those different land race Mm -hmm. strains and breeding those Mm -hmm. to kind of get back to that you know, um, idea of it being from completely separate areas to, um, you know, achieve a plant that's new and interesting and and beneficial. So it's, it's, it's cool to see, you know, how far reaching this plant is globally because it is one of very few things that can grow from the tip of Alaska to the equator and flourish. Mm -hmm. So that's found on every continent, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, aside from, yeah. Uh, Antarctica. Antarctica. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. nothing's going on Antarctica. <laughs> the penguins, they love that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's, it's 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 just cool that it is something that is, uh, you know, worldwide. Yeah. What's, what, are, what is your favorite strain? Oh, <laughs> all Too of many them. to pick from. <laughs> all of them. Depends I mean, on the it's, move, right? Yeah, exactly. That's the thing is... is is you can just I don't know. Is there one that's easier to work with, like when it comes to cultivation? Well, after, for me, all indicas are easier yeah. to work with. Really? Yes, I love it. their I leaves that. are their leaves are hardier. They don't get as bushy as a sativa, and they are 
far more easier to trim. Okay. And I do all of the trimming, so like I would maybe. prefer all indica, except for I like to smoke sativas. I like smoke. Well, but I, I like to grow indicas. I like smoking my sativas during the day, and I like my indicas at night. That's like that's kind of a that's basic traditional. rule. It's a really yeah, basic rule. I think rule. that's basic. Me yeah. too. Yeah. Indica makes me horny. Sativa makes me giggly. Yeah. yeah. Our house. Yeah, our house true. bells is a tip, is a really uh, horny. Bee. Yeah. Your house bells <laughs> is, is appropriately <laughs> named because holy. Yeah. Oh, we are. I'm going to make actually like, I don't know, a lover's box, I guess. I make a lube. It's actually more of like a butter that you put on like 30 minutes before you get down. That's derived from Hell's Bells. You're screwed. And it creates, (laughs) it creates, it's supposed to make your hoo-ha feel stoned and also create a lot more moisture. Yes. So, yeah. So I can attest to the more moisture thing on the hell's yeah. bell. Like, I remember oh, smoking no. it and going... High humidity. And everybody that does <laughs> that one about. is like, are you kidding? That one is like, I gotta go get down right now. Yes. I like, I know. Yes. Yeah. I love I love that one. So, personally. have you guys heard of these suppositories that they've been trying out? Like, I've heard of that for, like, colon cancer. Okay. But not... For sexual Not for reasons. sexual reasons. No. Yeah. We did one once. It was the hoo-ha one. Didn't really do anything Did nothing. Yeah. Not yeah. a thing. That's so a- I think my butter will do what that is supposed to do. And, and it will it make it taste delicious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Butter. So. Well, it's like, okay. <laughs> you want to so take weird. about 25% off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> forward to that testimonial yeah <laughs> it will be anonymous I so we want to know if if you can remember mm-hmm. in a in, tell your story of the first time you got high i know mine exactly tell i it. just told uh, him the other day <laughs> i actually went to visit my brother in college he was at university of san diego and him and a bunch of his fraternity brothers were at his dorm and they were hitting a massive bomb. It was, One of those 12 foot long. It was long giant. Yeah. I had never seen a bong before. I had never smoked weed before. Nothing. So they're like, okay, you want to hit it? And I didn't, I just, I was very shy. Mm-hmm. And so I said yes. And I didn't know that you have to pull the carb on a bong. Oh, uh. did so I just kept hitting it and hitting it and hitting it more. And then all of a sudden, one of the guys pulled the carb mm-hmm. and I took all of it straight to my dome. I felt so paranoid. So I can't believe shy. you remember it. I was, I, that's all I remember was how paranoid I was around yeah. all these college guys. And here I was. We went out in San Diego. How old were you at the time? 16, 16. 17 oh maybe at the most. And I was just quiet. Is I know I don't think I said one word. Yeah. I was just so shy and paranoid. <laughs> I think that's that was uh, my first time. What was what was your first time? Oh, it's too cliche to say because I I honestly can't remember. Really? <laughs> I can remember certain times of being like stoned like that mm-hmm. that were definitely in my early days. Yeah. Like the time I I. I mean, you guys, even to this day, you're not going to believe how much I smoked that day. (laughs) And I can't believe I remember. I'll tell you one story. I think I was 16. Yeah, I was 16. And uh, my boyfriend at the time was 18 and his friend was 19. So they had a little apartment just around the corner from my house. So I go hang out there all the time. 
I was always pitching in for weed. I had a restaurant job just across the street. My tips went straight to the weed pile. Like we basically had like <laughs> the three of us were such potheads together. We had like uh, just these just it was like the tip pile or the extra cash and then we'd go buy our weed and we would all like divvy it up equally and we'd smoke it together. Like we never <laughs> like it was it was a rule now. Except for his his roommate would stash a nug every once in a while. <laughs> out in the open in his rock collection. <laughs> so nobody knew it was like his emergency stash and nobody knew it was ever there because it just looked like one of the, the other the rocks. Gems. Yeah, it was real because he had like different styles. And Anyways, that's another story. But I bet that didn't get dried out at all. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah, no, that wasn't, it wasn't great, but it was funny. It was, I'll tell you that story. It was funny. Um, but we had a six-foot bong, mm-hmm. six-footer. And <laughs> we used to do that at the top of the stairs. Yeah, we had to stand on the top of the yes. couch. <laughs> and it takes two people because somebody yeah, had somebody to pull else up for you. at the bottom, yes. <laughs> you never hit a six footer? I've never used one of those. Oh, it's so fun. <laughs> it is. I wish we had one right now to do I will just get a, have it. We could make a six footer in an afternoon, oh, believe me. Oh, of course. But the guy Well, do you, do you remember, right? do you remember um, Pox? I'm sure he has PVC. Oh, yeah. Okay, right? So the Pog containers basically right. became bongs. Oh, oh yeah, pogs. Oh. So it was a purple six-foot bong, right? <laughs> oh, PVC, just clear plastic, right? Yeah. And on top of that, we rolled a, just a split, just huge. Like, it was, we used a uh, um, Swisher Sweet roll, uh-huh. and we, we cleared it out, and we filled, and then we rolled it in, like, some sort of, I, I guess it was like the honey, it was some sort of sticky, oh, yeah. tacky at the time. I don't know what it was because it's not what we have now. Yeah. <laughs> we hit the six foot bong and then we sat around smoking this joint. And I'm telling you, the only memory I have, it was like a dream. It was like everything around me went completely black except for what was in front of me. And at some point, I ended up backwards over the couch for like an hour and a half just sitting there. I've never been more. The only other time I can remember being that stoned. I left food in my mouth for like an hour. Oh and my gosh. I was camping and I was like, oh, that's good. <laughs> I forgot food in my mouth. That's hilarious. So, but no, I can't, I can't remember the exact first time. I think it was with Jason Lucchese and my sister and they got me high so that I'd leave them alone. So I probably was 12 See, oh I, tried, I tried when I was 12 because yeah. my cousins were about five years out. older yeah. and they were out by our chicken coop smoking. Uh-huh. So my cousin and I were like, let's go out there and try. But we were 12 or 13 and they said no to us and wouldn't let us. So my sister <laughs> had to wait a few years. It was one of those, here, you want to see what we're doing? Oh, go for it. <laughs> no, they yelled at us. Yeah. Let's get out of here. My, oh, God. Yeah, go out there. God, it's so dumb. My first time, or uh, maybe not the first, but the most memorable mm-hmm. of one of the first times <laughs> was freshman year. I got a brother that's two years older than me. So he was a junior. I was a freshman. And um, that was when we first started, you know, being introduced to the weekend parties Mm -hmm. and, you know, growing up in the foothills, someone's parents were always out on vacation or away. So that's just where any given party was. And I'll never forget driving to said party. There was a, let me back up. There's a place where everyone used to hang out in the middle of town at Placerville. And at that time it was at the McDonald's Taco Bell. (laughs) You could ride your skateboards in the parking lot. Anyway, everyone would pre-party before the party. So I remember jumping in the truck and two of my uh, brother's friends 
two cheerleaders uh, threw me in the truck with them. So I'm sandwiched between two hot-ass cheerleaders on my way to a party. One of them busts out a giant golf ball of green weed. And that was the first time I saw really good quality quality green weed. Nice. And so on the way and getting to this party, getting smoked out with these cheerleaders, uh, I was in heaven. So that was my first most memorable time. No wonder we grow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Just kidding>. good <laughs> times. Yeah. My buddy, uh, you know, also growing up in the foothills. Um, my buddy's dad grew in his backyard, and so my friend wasn't supposed to take the stash from his dad's drawer, but he decided this one night he would. And I actually waited until I was eighteen to do imbibing anything. Like my my parents got a divorce right around the time that I graduated high school, and so I was like, you know what, fuck it, I'm gonna go drink beer, I'm gonna go smoke weed, let's just you know, let's just do it. Um, and this one night, my buddy got some some of his stash out of his dad's drawer, and uh, he rolled a joint, and it was just me and him and one other friend, and we hotboxed his old ass Volvo in the in the, gara- in the garage of the the house there, and I. Cough like a motherfucker, just, you know, total rookie move, and um, I didn't expect anything to happen, and then when it did, it was like time stopped. <laughs> well, we, were, so we smoked, we were listening to music, and the music oh, yeah. was just becoming, like, you could see the sounds, and you could smell just, like, you know, the, the lead singer's breath if you wanted to. Um, but when we went inside, we went into the bedroom and continued to listen to music, and I'm laying down on the bed, and I'm watching my buddies, and they stop. And I'm like, what are you guys doing? And they're like, nothing. <laughs> and it, I felt like minutes had passed where they were just standing in one spot. It was just a moment. But I was just sit- sitting there like almost like time had stopped for a, a good <laughs> solid three minutes or whatever it was. And then finally the munchies kicked in. And I never tasted popcorn so good. Is that why you love popcorn so much? I've always loved popcorn, oh, but okay. the popcorn tasted exceptionally good. <laughs> and I, I, at that moment, I, I thought, wow, this is some of the best feeling in the world. I'm never going to taste food so good. The food, um, yeah. Oh, and yeah. Then, you know, oh, when you first start the first munchies, We the need first to talk munchies, about the first munchies. Oh. The first munchies were the best experiences, um, but you know, the munchies now are still good. Uh, but then yeah, but you're getting older and we get fat when we eat too And they kind of go away. Smoothies. It does we go away. Smoothies. Our yeah, munchies just... become more expensive is what it comes down to. Yeah. But honestly, yeah. and, and as I grew older, I it wasn't all about the party drug anymore. Yeah. You know, it was more about the benefits exactly. that I got from it. And it, it, it the allure of using weed for a good time is still there. Like, it's a good escape for, you know, I, weekends and stuff like that. When we were smoking, I don't think any of us could have ever imagined the benefits that were coming from it. Exactly. No, not at all. Because it was fun at yeah. first. Because it, yeah. for 10 years, it was just all about partying, yeah. for, for me at least. And then when I hit 26, I started realizing the medical, medicinal benefits of it. And that's when I started making stuff. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I never was a big partier, like, as a teenager. I never went to, I didn't, I, like, my first house party, I think I was, like, 18 or 19. You know, I wasn't, I didn't go to a traditional high school. I was homeschooled, so I didn't have a lot of, like, friend circles like that. Mm -hmm. And even when I did smoke as a teenager, it wasn't about partying. It was literally kind of about getting the munchies and just like chilling out like we would watch we'd pick video Same games like it would be 
excuse me, sorry, just a couple of friends sitting around, getting high, hanging out by the listening pool. Listening to music. Just, just li- listening to music. That's all we would do is listen to music and play Cruising USA. Yeah. The, the car <laughs> racing yeah. game. That's awesome. We would play that all the time and listen to Tool, Incubus. Any, Incubus? Like, oh, oh, my God. Incubus was my if, if you didn't start the session with Incubus, you didn't know oh, what you were doing. <laughs> back in my early 20s in oh, the yeah. video game was... House. Yep. That's awesome. We would never smoke and go out. No. We would smoke and stay. Exactly. Home. Exactly. Yeah. So did we. It was like, exactly. if we smoked and went out, I was an idiot. I couldn't go out. I didn't like I was it. paranoid back then, shy, embarrassed. Yep. I felt like everyone knew that I was stoned. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> They're even, all looking at me. And even then, it was still shunned upon. To, yeah. Oh, yeah. Really yeah. shunned yeah. upon. Yeah. So, yeah. Chad, what was your first munchie? Like, did you have that experience? Um, I did, but not what would be typical I, as far as what I remember. Um, you know, munchie-wise, I think it was going to be ice cream. My oh, best friend Mark Ham, his yes. older sister, uh, worked at 31 Flavors in that same <laughs> said pre-party parking lot. And so, yeah, it was going to be ice cream for sure. Oh, yeah. But for us... We were, um, I'll, go, I'll call them active smokers. So for us, all, yeah. you know, being into skateboarding since day one as a kid, we would smoke and skateboard. And, mm-hmm. you know, not necessarily around people, but for example, we lived out on five acres and we're fortunate enough to be able to build a giant half pipe where we could invite our friends over. And so for us, it was always skateboarding yeah. every day after school, before school. And then from there, it went into snowboarding. Yeah, same. So it was always something active. we would active. just smoke on the mountain, mm-hmm. way, on the chairlift. Yeah, way more, yeah. Way yeah. more enjoyable, uh, I feel, than, than you know, not doing anything and smoking. Yeah, so. see, I, ours was like, we would do nothing certain times, but like... My aunt has a really nice pool. It was always open mm-hmm. to me. And my, still is. You guys ever want to come swimming? It's one of those. She she's always grateful when somebody uses the pool. She's like, I'm so glad you're using the pool. Um, but you know, we would do that. But then there were other times where it was like, it was concerts. I think it was getting yes. stoned at concerts. That music always good. Always, always music. music. Like punk rock shows, local bands, anything we could get into, you know, Same. It, it was let's smoke a joint or smoke a bowl. I never really smoked joints. I always had a piece. I always had a piece. Somebody always had a piece. I've never been a joint smoker either. Yeah, like I I'm not great at rolling them without a, I can't roll aim. them very well and they're a little more harsh yeah. and they're not yeah. as good for you. No, they're not. And the the paper like I can't be sure. Yeah, and, I can't be too sure uh, about that. But <laughs> Yeah, we it then it, it kind of started to graduate into I wanted to smoke and do this. I want to yeah. feel this way while I'm doing this. Yeah. So you know, hiking, whatever, swimming. I love swimming when I'm a, when I'm just anything artistic. Just feels, it gives you yeah. a whole different sense of creativity and really. One of my good friends, her and I make um, those beaded earrings. Like I mean, love for them. Yes. Um, they, they're really time consuming and they like you have to kind of focus yeah her and I will sit there and just pass a bowl or a joint just back and forth all day long and just bead for hours and hours and hours they beat off together we do <laughs> <laughs> yeah we used to laugh at all the uh, old ad campaigns for dare and such you know showing kids just sitting on a couch or an egg frying in a pan or something stupid like that and just laugh because you know you think about anything is what you make it like so like I was saying for us being active and you know I mean 
Ask Michael Phelps. Right? <laughs> right? Tell me you can't achieve things. Yeah. Well, I'm a much better cannabis. snowboarder on cannabis than I am off of cannabis. See, that makes My sense. coordination is way better. Even working out, I would prefer to take a big hit and then work out. Yeah. Just, I, it numbs the pain. It makes me stronger. A yeah. more aware. Yeah, and maybe I don't do that <laughs> nowadays, but, you know, I yeah. used to. Well, I, uh, I, I'm i really excited about your guys' endeavor finally coming to fruition, and I'm so glad it's so close. It and we're definitely going to be making a big announcement when that time comes so that people can enjoy the benefits from all of the products that you have, whether it be for medical purposes or recreational. Um, so when that time comes, we'll definitely blast that out. But I'm really grateful for you guys sharing your story and educating a lot of people on this side of cannabis not just for the use of it but the cultivation and all that stuff so thank you for being so open and willing to share that stuff because it's just it's just great yeah thank you guys so much we're blessed we're lucky and yeah look forward to helping people yeah we can't wait to help people on a larger scale is there anything that we missed that you guys want to there is one thing um there's a hole in the sky where a tree once stood. Oh, fuck no. me. Somebody's and some son of a bitch making is making money. money. Somebody's making money. I, I am I, so prepared to leave this thing in the dust. The and he's sitting on the, the hotel bed this morning. He goes, oh, I see no, I think I want to come way. up with a version of my own. And you I went, should. Oh, motherfucker. You should. I'm not helping you for this gotta, stupid jingle. You know what? I don't I sing, do but I may, I may I, actually send I in my need, vocals for I need somebody to do this. Somebody's making money. That would be me. <laughs> she we, had, could, we could harmonize. She had the punk rock aspect down, yeah. I thought. You could really tell that that oh. was her background. I love it. Well, you perfect. used to write punk rock songs when you were I did. a teenager. Yeah. So you yeah, could do I, this. Like I, the, My first song that I ever wrote was called Teenage Society. And I was like the, the most angsty... <laughs> But also most pussy like nasally punk rock song. Oh my god! <laughs> I still have I still have the cassette that uh, we originally recorded because I wrote mm-hmm. it for a, a talent show that we did <laughs> in eighth grade, and I actually had my dad sit in on the drums at my eighth grade talent show, and my dad was at the time you know late thirties, and uh, he was uh, like back in the corner. No spotlight on him. He was so embarrassed to be up there, but he was doing it just to help me out, you know, because I didn't know any drummers. So it was my buddy who was a bass player and myself. I can't remember the lyrics of the song. But no, was, I wouldn't ask you to. Yeah, I you don't can't re- remember. You can't remember lyrics to most songs. That's true. It's I, a make, I make up my own lyrics. Me too. Yeah. It's more fun. Did, did, you, you, listen listen to, did you listen to the last podcast that we I did? I listen to every was podcast. Was it the last one or the one before where I sang with... Uh, the I'm yours. Yeah. I always thought he said uh, you did me in your bed and I felt it. Oh, no. oh you'd gone done done it. And you I felt you it. gone done me and, and, and I felt it. You like bet I felt it, but I I all and I just will always sing it. You you mm-hmm. did me in your bed and I felt it. That's like, right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we yeah. could do a whole podcast we on this interpreted lyrics. Yeah. Yeah. boy, Brandon. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you guys again, and uh, we thank are you. actually um, we're actually headed to Hell's Kitchen for some lunch. Hell's yeah. yeah! I'm excited. Oh yeah! Uh, Yummy. Namaste, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> the rad.